The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five. Call it a small cap snapback. Futures popping is at least one area of the market with the clawbacks and steep losses. Keep pedaling. Peloton investors hoping the stock can climb back up the leaderboard. An analyst with the bull case is here. Gaining steam, a top senator backing the idea of banning Congress from trading stocks. Lumber, oil, gas, and guacamole? Why earnings and CEO comments from one company show inflation is not slowing down anytime soon. And call it a 21st century trading card, how athletes are cashing in on the NFT craze, and what former Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant has to say about his new platform. It is Wednesday, February 9th. This is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. It is a big Wednesday and cool. We have Des Bryant here with us a little bit later on in the show. That is coming up. But as always, we begin with a look at stocks and your money futures. They are looking pretty good right now. They are in the green. Not huge gains, but the Dow futures up 179 so up about two to three tenths of one percent. The Nasdaq actually now up 112 points. So I stand corrected. Some pretty good gains happening. Things things happen pretty quick at this hour. I know a lot of you just waking up, but man, things go like like that, and futures kind of turn the same way. So some nice gains on the screen right now. This after a more than one percent gain for the Dow yesterday. Now, just keep it between us, all right? But the Dow is now only down just over two percent for the year. And actually, just about 4% away from its all-time high. The other indexes, they're down far more. But the Dow, the blue chips, really working hard to make a comeback this year. Also trying to make a comeback, small caps. The Russell 2000 is looking to make it four up days in a row. It's got a little three-day winning streak going on. Don't want to jinx it, but it's looking okay right now. Crude oil's gains have taken a bit of a pause. Oil is back below 90 bucks a barrel at 88 and change. You can see that. Bonds remain red hot with the 10-year yield touching November 2019 highs. The yield there, 1.91%. So going back months before the pandemic hit. And in crypto land, Bitcoin back below 44000 and Ether just under 3100 All right, that is what is happening here. Let's see what is happening overseas as they look to keep their nice little run going as well. And I can see from my screen, there's a lot of green on that as well. More than 1% gains for the DAX, the Cacaron 40, and many of the other indexes there as well. So there you go. We are seeing green. I don't know what Rosanna Lockwood was there. I feel like singing the uh, Toto song, Rosanna. Anyway, there we go. A lot of green on the screen across all of Europe. Either that or there's a brightly colored Arctic tundra that is just swept over the entire continent. And that's a satellite photo. All right, in the meantime, let's get a check on some of this morning's big business headlines, including a rare and kind of touching personal story from Elon Musk. Bertha Coombs is here with that and more. Good morning, Bertha. 
Hey, good morning, Brian. Disney, Sony Pictures, Networks, India, and Viacom, along with CBS, are all in the hunt, reportedly looking to bid on the next five years of broadcast and streaming rights for Indian cricket matches. The sports governing body is planning this week to solicit bids formally for its most popular Premier League. Disney currently holds that broadcast and streaming rights, which have been a crucial driver for international subscriptions to its Disney Plus service. Toyota, meantime, is cutting its annual production target by half a million more vehicles as chip shortages and COVID sick leaves continue to hit output. The company now plans to build eight and a half million vehicles in the year ending March 31st. That's down from a previous estimate of about nine million. This comes as the world's largest car maker posted a 21% fall in operating profit for its most recent quarter. And far from the production floor and the Twitter sphere, Elon Musk showing a rarely seen side of his leadership style, I would say his personal style, when it comes to customer relations. According to new court filings, the Tesla founder emailed for weeks with a father of a teen who died in a high-speed Tesla crash, an exchange that ultimately led to Tesla updating a speed safety feature at the grieving father's request. Brian, the email exchange from four years ago went on for nearly seven weeks with Musk at one point sharing stories of the loss of his own son, who died at just 10 weeks back in 2002. At the end of the day, grief is one of those things that does bring people together at times, Brian. Yeah, and a, and a very human and rarely seen side of the mercurial Musk there, but a, but a, a good news story in a terrible situation, I guess, given what happened to the child. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. On both and I sides, give him, by the way. I give him credit for not publicizing that. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of a lot of people would have sort of to talk up themselves or their humanity, whatever. He just no one knew until it comes out in this court filing as well. Bertha, thank you. We'll see you in a few minutes. All right. Well, back to business now. And so far, the key business story of the year is inflation. Prices for nearly everything continuing to go higher. Yesterday on Twitter, I only half joked that if there's a strategic meat reserve, we should tap it. Because I went to the grocery store, and as you all know, maybe Congress doesn't, but you do, food prices are out of control. It's not just a story. It goes to the interest rate tail as well and how it may impact stocks and the Fed. Let's talk more about it with Malcolm Etheridge, Executive Vice President, CIC Wealth. And Malcolm, nobody cares about my views on how much a pork chop costs, but they do care about inflation, what the Fed may do, and how that may impact stocks. History says stocks can go up, even in a rising rate environment. What's your bigger worry around the rates and inflation right now? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Historically speaking, stocks tend to do uh, pretty well uh, during periods of rising interest rates, especially the S&P uh, as, as a whole. Um, and it's I mean, it's frankly just because if the if the Fed is thinking that the economy is moving strong enough and we're growing at a fast enough clip that it has to raise interest rates to help tamp down some of that in, uh, that inflation that we're feeling underneath the surface, that has to mean that corporations and corporate profits 
are doing pretty well. It's just that it's happening in the backdrop of everybody's feeling this pinch uh, as you go to the gas pump and the grocery store, as you just mentioned, and uh, everywhere else. And so it's two things happening uh, at once that are kind of converging to create two completely separate themes. But historically, we'll see if the, the history proves out. Obviously, you know, past performance is no uh, guarantee of future performance. But uh, historically, we are told that we should see by the ha- the second half of this year, um, pretty good positive performance in the S&P. Yeah. And is that because the reason that we have inflation, there's two reasons. Number one, the supply mm-hmm. chain shutting everything down for a year and a half. We still have problems. It's by nowhere fixed, but we got to kind of clean through that it may take years. But also because we have a fundamentally relatively strong economy and we forget that inflation is often caused by simply more demand for fewer items, and so prices go up. And does that stronger economic story then maybe go more to the markets than just inflation itself? Well, yes and no. I mean, you you just nailed that we have way too many dollars chasing far too many goods. And also we have a lot of people, one of the key differences between this period and maybe the 1970s that everybody keeps hearkening back to when we saw inflation surge out of control. Similarly, uh, one of the key differences is the number of union jobs there were back there where wages were sort of fixed. They were negotiated by a labor union. And so they were on a consistent cost of labor adjustment, you know, 2% here, 3% there. And it was very predictable. And, you know, half the country uh, was earning uh, wages that way. And now companies aren't constrained by labor unions the way that they were before, something like the lowest level of union jobs we've ever seen in, in historical context in this country. And so companies have the ability to continue to wait, raise wages however they want to. And until the cap is put on that, we just saw Amazon doubled their uh, cap that they're willing to pay folks, their white collar workers at least, um, in those jobs. And part of the reason yeah. that we have the inflation we have is companies like Amazon can always pay more if they choose to. And we're competing out there at that grocery store for that pork chop yeah. that you're talking about with that raised Amazon salary. You might need that if you've been to, I don't know if Congress has been to the grocery store lately. I doubt they do their own shopping, Malcolm, but I know I have. And man, it's unbelievable. Very quickly, is there any part of the market that you like more than others right now? Healthcare. We're looking at healthcare broadly as an opportunity to see growth in your portfolio. Yeah, uh, Dr. Fauci yesterday basically telling the Financial Times the pandemic was nearing an end, but that doesn't mean that health care and our needs there is nearing an end. Malcolm Etheridge, CIC Wealth. A pleasure, Malcolm. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. I'll get more on that Fauci story coming up in a few minutes. Kind of a big deal. It dropped in the FT last night. All right, when we come back, crude oil, aluminum, lumber, and now don't say it, guacamole. Are the rising prices we just talked about maybe here to stay for longer than many expect? What one CEO has to say, but it's actually moving that stock higher. Plus, talk about no room for error. Why shares of this company, no room. It's a hint. Why that company's mystery chart is sinking in the pre-market down 25%. You know who that is? Think about it. Later on, former Cowboys wide receiving great Des Bryant on the 21st Century Trading Card. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts 
Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right. Welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. The three key stock stories happening right now. Stock number one. You knew it. It was Chipotle. Fourth quarter profit and same store sales beating forecasts. Even though its sales got hit a bit over the holidays, Zomicron raged. Higher menu prices have helped offset rising food and labor costs, and that is something the CEO addressed in an interview right here on CNBC yesterday. Obviously, I, I hope the inflationary environment slows down, but where we are, if we were to take no more pricing in 2022, we, we'd have about a 6%, a little bit more than a 6% price increase. And we know if we need to take more pricing, we have room to do it. To date, we've seen no resistance from our customers. I think I heard someone mention we're fortunate that our brand and the customers really do believe uh, we're a tremendous value. All right, there you go. Stock number two. Wow, this one, Enphase Energy, that battery stock is on fire right now. It is up 19%. Enphase had a strong quarter and they add that they can meet the surge in customer demand, while also navigating supply and logistics issues. Big trader favorite there. And stock number three, it's our mystery chart, and that is the container store. Shares crushed. They're down 25% right now. This even is third quarter earnings and revenue beat forecast. The problem was that online sales were down more than 30%, and the retailer expects overall sales to fall 11% this quarter. Maybe people are going to spend their money on going out and doing things rather than staying in and buying things. Tough day there for container. All right, on deck, could Congress actually stop its very prolific and very profitable habit of trading stocks? It could. We'll tell you who's behind the potential move coming up. Today's big number, $52 billion. That was the jump in credit card balances at the end of the fourth quarter, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. That represents the largest quarterly increase on record. Total credit card debt still remains below 2019 levels. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. It is a congressional outrage that people of any political persuasion can likely agree on. The fact that for years, many members of Congress or their families were very actively trading stocks. Some of them with stocks that could be impacted by the very laws that the same Congress people are riding around. And many of these elected officials have made a lot of money and shown some, shall we call it, very timely trading trends. But right now, bipartisan effort is taking shape to end it all. Alon Moy joining us now. And this is a story that should know no color red or blue because it's been, Alon, all about the green. Because these are they're performing better than many hedge fund managers. Yeah, Brian. Well, now Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is now publicly backing the push to prohibit lawmakers from trading stocks while in office. Now, according to his financial disclosures, neither Schumer nor his wife own any individual stocks. And he told reporters yesterday he believes in a ban. We have different bills from a variety of different members, and I've asked our members to get together and try to come up with one bill, but I would like to see it done. Now, I'm told six Democratic senators are working on that proposal, including Senator Sherrod Brown, whose bill would ban trading but wouldn't force lawmakers to put their assets into a blind trust. And Senator John Ossoff, whose bill does require a blind trust and comes with a penalty of their entire salary. Now, another member of that group, Senator Elizabeth Warren, is also working with a Republican, Senator Steve Daines, on a bipartisan bill as well. Now, several Republicans have been open to this idea. It will need to have support from both parties to pass. And Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell has said he'll consider it. And McConnell does not own individual stocks either. However, his wife, former Cabinet Secretary Elaine Chao, does have a significant stake in Wells Fargo from when she served on its board of directors. Brian, it is worth noting that many of the existing proposals would cover lawmakers' spouses and dependents as well. Back over to you. Yeah, but we're talking about, okay, Secretary Chow, we're talking about not banning owning stocks, are we? I mean, if you have stocks that you inherit or you're on a board or you just, you have, you're not trading them, you're just owning them for years or decades, would that still be allowed? So it depends on what your definition of owning actually is. So there's a spectrum okay. here. Some of the bills would allow you to still hold the stocks, but you couldn't you couldn't sell them while you're in office. Other bills require you to put them in a blind trust so that you still have them, but you don't know what's going on with them. And this new bill from Senator Warren and Senator Steve Daines wouldn't allow you to own them at all, even if it's in a blind trust. So that's part of the conversation that's happening. How actually do you prevent lawmakers from profiting off of the policies that they're going to be debating and passing in Congress. Um, and that is why Senator Schumer yeah. has said he wants uh, some senators to come together and come up with a unified proposal to figure out what is the best way forward. Well, should be, if you can't own them at all, you might hinder good people from running from office. Shouldn't be that hard to throw into a blind trust or a fidelity account or whatever it is, and you don't touch it. And then when you get out and you decide not to run anymore, it's still there. I mean, there's a big difference between that and actively trading stocks that, you know, may be impacted by bills you write. 
Right. And that's part of the argument against a outright ban around owning stocks. And of course, this is something that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has not really been in favor of. But her stance has softened in recent weeks. And she's actually asked one uh, House administration committee to look at possibly increasing the penalties um, if you don't follow the existing disclosure rules. So there is really just a spectrum of potential options here. And uh, lawmakers have not coalesced around a single option. Well, Pelosi's husband is one of the more prolific and, by the way, profitable. The guy's timing is fantastic. He's made a ton of money and very active in options as well. Many of them are on companies that are based near Silicon Valley. Elon Moy, thank you. All right, let's get a check down some of this morning's other top headlines outside of the world of money and business, including the latest on international efforts to ease tensions around Ukraine. Francis Rivera is in New York with those. Good morning, Francis. Brian, good morning. Yes, French President Emmanuel Macron traveled to Ukraine to meet with President Zelensky. This just 24 hours after a high-stakes sit-down with Vladimir Putin. As Russia's military continues to surround Ukraine, Macron says he and Putin made progress toward de-escalation. Well, that's a claim the Kremlin immediately rejected, with Russian officials also undercutting the French leader's authority to broker that kind of agreement. Back here at home, the Republican Party's divide over the January 6th insurrection appears to be deepening. Yesterday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell publicly rejected the Republican National Committee's resolution censoring two figures, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, for their work on the 1-6 committee. McConnell also pushed back against the RNC's characterization of the Capitol riot as, quote, legitimate political discourse, calling it a violent insurrection to try and prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election. He also said it's not the RNC's job to single out members of the party who have different views than the majority. And finally, did you see this, Brian? Another shocking early exit on the slopes for skier Michaela Schifrin. The two-time Olympic gold medalist was knocked out of the slalom event Wednesday, missing a gate only five seconds into her run. Just days earlier, she crashed out of the giant slalom event. Schifrin won, has won 47 World Cup races in slalom, the most of any skier in any single discipline. She is expected to compete in three more events next week. And we're looking at those images there, uh, the side of the slope. Brian, she stayed there for almost 30 minutes, just shoulder slumped, shaking her head, so feeling for her. And then she spoke out, too, in her press conference. And it, she was so emotional, still so in shock about what happened. It was tough to watch. I mean, and like you said, Francis, that and the wreck occurred within the first 50 yards. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally right at the top. But she's got a chance, a lot more events to come, and let's hope she does better. That was, that was, a, that was a tough way to end it for her. Yeah. But uh, we'll look forward to the future races. Francis, thank you. Sure thing. By the way, uh, everyone's skiing on the same, same snow, but as an avid skier, you can see that snow is tough to turn on. It is a lot of chunks. All right. As we head to break, we continue to watch shares of Facebook parent company Meta Platforms. That is an ugly chart, no matter how you slice it, down more than 35% this year. The market cap now below $600 billion. In fact, it is now worth less than NVIDIA. No knock on NVIDIA, but Facebook's market value has come way down. We'll talk more about that and more in the markets as futures. They're up nicely. We're glad you're up with us, and we're back right after this. Your money looking to get back to work. Earnings giving futures some fresh fuel, plus some under-the-radar stocks crushing it for investors lately. Wow, looks like a good day there. Shares of Peloton 
finding some fresh legs, the company slashing costs and jobs. We'll speak with an analyst who says that stock still has room to run. And can you believe it? President Biden finally mentioning Tesla. Sort of. It's Wednesday, February 9th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Wednesday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. It's 528 here on the East Coast. Thanks for joining us. Here's how your money in the markets look right now. They're looking pretty strong. We are seeing stock futures all well in the green. NASDAQ futures are up triple digits as well, 158 points. Dow futures up more than 200 points. So they've just been gaining steam all morning long. A long way to go, but a pretty good start to a Wednesday. All this after a more than 1% gain for the Dow yesterday. At index now up, well, it's only up two days in a row. But it's like I said earlier, don't tell anybody, but the Dow is up or only down 2.4% this year. So the other indexes, NASDAQ, it's still lousy, down 9% this year. The Dow is creeping back toward being positive on the year. So watch the blue chips. The money has come back into value. All right, that is the macro. Let's get a little more micro, because even though most of the overall markets are still down this year, as we just said, remember there are lots of individual names that have been crushing it for you lately. Look at some of these stocks, the kinds of historical highs they've been making. Marriott, that stock at its highest level since it got spun out in 1993. How's this for a kiss? Hershey shares their highest level back to 1972. Warehouser says we could top that. The paper company at its highest level since all the way back on an inflation-adjusted basis to 1963. And Centene, the highest since their IPO back in 2001. And we mentioned Centene because this is the company that our frequent show guest Dan Vrue has been telling you about for a while right here on the show. Nice call, Dan. Centene stock continues to run. Listen, as Jim Cramer always says, it's not just a stock market, it's a market of stocks. And no matter what the indexes have done, many of these individual names have done very, very well. All right, now to this morning's top stories, including Congress once again taking steps to try to prevent yet another government shutdown. Bertha is back with that. Say it ain't so, Bertha. You know, this is a movie that has more sequels, I think, than the Fast and Furious uh, series. The House has sent that bill to temporarily fund the government to the Senate. Lawmakers in the lower chamber approving the measure yesterday with just over a week to go until the deadline to avoid a lapse in funding. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is vowing to vote on the bill quickly and in time for that deadline. The bill would keep the government running at current levels through March 11th, because we only just kicked the can down the road. Meantime, the Justice Department has announced it has arrested two people and seized more than $3.6 billion in stolen crypto. The New York couple is accused of conspiring to launder $4.5 billion in stolen funds taken in a hack of the crypto exchange Bitfinex in 2016. The DOJ has not said whether the couple was involved in the hacking itself. And President Biden acknowledging Tesla's position as the U.S.'s largest producer of electric vehicles for the first time. Biden giving the nod yesterday during a speech to promote American companies expanding this country's EV infrastructure. White House aides have said the president has previously avoided mentioning Tesla due to his perception 
that it is anti-union. CEO Elon Musk has criticized the president as a result. Brian, in addition to praising Tesla and other U.S. EV makers, the president also praising fast-charging equipment manufacturer Tritium for establishing a new manufacturing facility in Tennessee. That stock taking off in extended hours. Nice move for them. Yeah, that is. And listen, it's uh, it's not maybe a ringing endorsement of Tesla, but it is a mention. The words came off the tongue. And so maybe yeah. Elon Musk can, can slow down hard. his sort of Twitter It's hard spat. to avoid mentioning Tesla and EVs, right? I mean, you, it, you, you have like 90% it's like, market It is like the big gorilla. <laughs> they, they kind of are the market in many ways at this point. They kind of built the market. They're the ones that have, you know, sort of driven yeah. the entire thing. You, you might want to just Give a little bit of a shout out. We'll see, Bertha. Maybe it'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll hug it out someday when the pandemic's over. All right. And speaking of that, maybe someday they'll they'll have a beer at the White House. (laughs) There you go. All right. Speaking of uh, hugging it out, here's a story that seems like it should be getting a lot more attention. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying the pandemic is essentially coming to an end. Speaking with the Financial Times, Fauci saying, quote, the full blown phase, the pandemic, is something, quote, we are certainly heading out of, end quote. So this is a combination of vaccines, treatments, and prior infections, soon making the virus more manageable, adding that he hopes for an end of the pandemic and all related restrictions in the coming months, basically saying uh, that local officials are going to have to now make more decisions as well as individuals on how they deal with that as well. Seems like, you know, this week, folks, again, You've got these states that have ended or saying they're going to end the mask mandates for kids in the coming weeks. you got Dr. Fauci sitting down for the Financial Times. You wonder, is this kind of how the pandemic sort of winds down? It's not going to be some major announcement by the president or some big day or say, you know, some some bell being rung, but rather just kind of comments like this, changes to schools for the schools that are still masking students, etc., and how it winds down. That coming in the Financial Times kind of late yesterday, a bit of a surprising comments, but maybe something to be optimistic and hopeful about. Anyway, a story that seems like it should be the top story, but there you go. All right. Now to what is arguably the stock of the week. How's that for a transition? Shares of Peloton coming off their single best day performance ever, but not for good reasons. The company named a new CEO, cutting 20% of its workforce, scrapping plans for a new Ohio factory, All despite the sudden surge in the stock price, of course, it is still way, way off its all-time high of 167 bucks earlier last year. Also coming out yesterday, guidance well below analyst expectations. The company's new CEO appears determined to try to turn that company around without a sale. Maybe there's no buyers. But that doesn't mean there's no upside from here. Joining us now is Edward Iruma. He is Managing Director and Equity Research Analyst at KeyBank Capital Markets. Optimistic on the stock. And we learned that a gentleman named Barry McCarthy is going to become the CEO of Peloton. My first question about Barry McCarthy is who is Barry McCarthy and why is he the right person for this job? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things, right? He has stood alongside entrepreneurs uh, at Netflix, Spotify. So I think he clearly understands how to work with these kind of iconic founders, I think, too, right? Both streaming companies. The hidden gem in Peloton, it's not the bike. It's not the connected fitness devices. It's the programming. It's the content. And I think over time, you know, he'll help really highlight that part of the business. So, so I think you've got that. And you've also obviously, you know, the management team has been in the press a lot. This is a fresh set of eyes. They've obviously articulated restructuring, but 
you know, someone to take a, a clean set at this and, and really examine the business, I think can really help strengthen the parts of the business that are the strongest. Is there anybody left to buy a Peloton or pay for its service? Or I think that's the fear, Ed, is that everybody that wants one now has one. Well, two questions there, right? I think, you know, they pointed out clearly that the existing user base continues to engage very highly with the devices. Now, maybe you're not using it as much as you did when you couldn't leave your home, but, you know, north of 15 workouts per user per month is still very strong and ahead of pre-pandemic levels. So I think paying the subscription, no issue. The, the question on the device demand is a broader question. They've been trying to lean into this new device, the Tread. It's had kind of a slow start, but it sounds like momentum's starting to pick up. So I think this is an environment where lots of people like the subscription, keep the bikes, keep using that. Uh, and it's on Peloton to tell the consumer why they need to get some of these new devices like the treadmill. Okay, so you're a little optimistic there on Peloton, 60 bucks, $60 price target, Ed, is that correct? That's right. All right, so now let's turn to Lyft. Here's another story there. I want to transition, if you don't mind, Ed. Shares are down this morning despite a top and bottom line earnings beat. The problem for Lyft, riders coming in short of estimates, management's tone was not good on the conference call last night, sort of predicting that the Omicron surge over the holidays is going to hit results hard this quarter. Still, revenue per rider up 14% a year, hitting a record 51.79. Stock's been hit, Ed. The one thing that shocks me whenever I get into a Lyft or an Uber, I always ask the drivers, uh, you know, some of them are annoyed by me, I'm sure. I always ask them how they're doing and how much money they're making because the rates, I don't know if you've been in an Uber or Lyft lately, the rates are really high. The drivers say they're not making a lot more, but that led me to think the company must be because the rates are up. Look, I, I think the drivers are making more. What they're trying to balance, though, is obviously fuel prices are higher, insurance costs keep moving up. And so what they're putting into their bank account every month, uh, you know, certainly is a little bit more stable. But um, I think what you're seeing here is, you know, just as they point out, Omicron, you know, it certainly delayed the recovery. But, you know, to juxtapose to Peloton, right, Peloton is going to have problems in a post-COVID environment. Uh, you know, services like Lyft and Uber should see more activity, right? Airport rides while they're improving, still well below peak. So as people start traveling more for leisure, and certainly, which really hasn't happened yet, more for business, I think that's where you're going to see uh, that ridership data improve. Yeah, do, do you foresee a time when we're, I don't know if we're going to go back to pre-pandemic, everybody's Ubering and lifting and whatever you want to call it everywhere. Obviously, that business got destroyed. The drivers, you couldn't go anywhere. Many of these drivers quit, probably permanently how does that business look, you know, a year from now, Ed, when hopefully the pandemic is well behind us? How does that look? Does it go back to just being like it was pre-COVID? I think there's still going to be some changes, right? Lyft and Uber pre-pandemic were very promotional, right? You would get discounts, free rides. I think that piece probably is something that we're not going to see return to the same extent. Um, you know, both Lyft and Uber are probably going to try to reintroduce shared rides. That's going to take a while to come back, right? My willingness to sit in a vehicle with people I don't know, probably pretty low for an extended period of time. Uh, airport rides, yeah, will come back for leisure. For business, will take time, right? I think businesses are likely to travel less than they did pre-pandemic. But the flip side of it is, you know, they're going to pick up market share from things like public transportation. You know, maybe, maybe you're not comfortable getting on the bus or the subway immediately. Um, and certainly, at least we saw this last yeah. spring, people are going to want to get out. 
Yes, they are. And they will, by the way. And they are in many parts of America. They never stopped in many parts of America, but that's a different topic. Ed Yeruma, thank you very much. Optimistic on Lyft and Peloton. Appreciate it, Ed. All right, do not miss a first on CNBC interview with that guy, Lyft co-founder John Zimmer. It's at 8.45 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. All right, coming up here at Worldwide Exchange, call it the double cowboy NFL great Des Bryant on his decision to dive into the world of NFTs and help athletes boost their brands. We'll talk to Des coming up. Futures, by the way, they are soaring. NASDAQ futures up triple digits. Good morning. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Well, the Super Bowl is just a few days away, so let's have a little bit of fun, right, and talk the new world of digital and non-fungible tokens. Because while NBA Top Shot helped bring digital tokens to the basketball fan and investor, one pro athlete is building his own business, help fellow athletes and influencers cross their personal brands over to the NFT realm in a very dynamic way. The always dynamic on the field and off, Des Bryant is the founder of Personal Corner, former all-pro wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, Oklahoma State. Des Bryant, great to have you on the program as well. I know it's early, but you got a lot of big-money players from all in the world watching right now from Asia to Europe to the United States. What is Personal Corner, and why are you putting your name, why are you building this brand? Well, hey, first off, thank you for having me. And Personal Corner, you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a place for athletes, you know, um, it's a place for us to, to come together and, you know, build our brand. You know, um, I'm putting my name on it because um, I think this is the first time in a long time, you know, where we get to come together and control our name, image and likeness. Yeah. And so what exactly does it do? If you're a Des Bryant, right, or you're an NFL player, you're an athlete, whatever, whatever the sport may be. What mm-hmm. can you help them do? How do they monetize and digitize their likeness, their image, their brand? See, how you, um, how you monetize and how you do that is um, um, what you do is, um, <laughs> you know, I'm apologize. I, I, I apologize. I'm kind of nervous, you know. Um, it's, it's early in the morning, but um, how you monetize and, and do that. I know. Des, don't yeah. don't be don't be nervous. You've played in so many big games. I would be nervous trying to run down the field catching a ball in Boone Pickens Stadium. So don't don't be nervous here. This is this is a new world. Listen, this is a world that I'm not going to lie to you, Des. I don't know a lot about, and I do this uh-huh. for a living because it's so it's it's so new and complicated. What would an at, let's say I was good at something? I'm not. But let's say I was a good athlete. What could uh-huh. I do? What could Brian Sullivan do in the digital world? Do I have like a an NFT of my face? What do I got? Yeah. Well, you know, it can be an NFT of anything. You know, um, like I said, um, it can be um, whatever you like. Like for example, um, um, it can be memorabilia. You know, you could tie NFT, you could tie memorabilia to NFTs. Like for example, um, Trayvon Trayvon Diggs. Um, he had 11 interceptions this year. Um, he can have an NFT to where if a fan purchases NFT, he can raffle off an interception. I'm just giving you small examples of, you know, how big this could be, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah, and you got, you got Vaughn Miller on there as well. By the way, I think Vaughn's got a yes. game coming up on Sunday. I'm going to ask you about that in, in, in just one second. 
but yeah, th- how big do you think this could be? I also understand you bought one of the the bored apes. That that couldn't yes. have been cheap. <laughs> well, first, um, um, it, it started, it, um, I think personal corner um, um, has the potential to be something special, like the board apes. Speaking of the board apes, um, you know, it, it's just athletes unified coming together under one marketplace, you know, to you know to create something special. And um, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I feel like I'm put on spot, but um, yeah. We got some special brew. Well, don't be nervous. Yeah, do do not be nervous whatsoever. <laughs> this is an entirely new world. Personal corner, I urge everybody to check it out. But I can't let you go, Des, without talking about something that I know you're not nervous about, and that is, of course, uh-huh. football. All right, and as a as a right. wide receiving great, both at Oklahoma State and and at Dallas this weekend. How do you see? Everyone thinks the Rams are just going to steamroll the Bengals. I do not. I took the Bengals at plus four and a half. I'm not saying they're going to win. Uh-huh. I think they covered. Jamar Chase is a stud. T. Higgins. I think Joe Burrow, all he does is ha- continue to win. How do you see? And I know you're friends with Vaughn Miller, so you don't have to throw the Rams under the bus, but how do you see <laughs> this game shaping up this weekend? Oh, man, I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes to, to that, I'm not biased. You know, um, I, I I match the guys, you know, across the board. Um, I think it's pretty even. You know, um, I think the best. I think the best team win on Sunday. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals. I always felt like that was better than what a lot of people thought. Um, but at the same time, you got the Los Angeles Rams. They full of firepower. You know, so um, I think the game could go either way. You know, um, don't count the Bengals out. Don't count the Rams out. I think it's going to go down to. Go down to the, um, who got the possession last. You know, if you um, if you watched all of the playoff games, every game was won by only three, I think. So, um, yeah, man, it's been um, you know, it's been a great ride. It's been a great ride since the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, the best team win. Yeah, and I, as I like, I love it. As somebody who took the Bengals at four and a half, I like to keep it close. And by the way, people think this is going to be a home game for the Rams because in LA, forget about it. That that stadium is going to be filled. Like, you know orange and black from your Oklahoma State days. That stadium is going to be filled. Everybody in Cincinnati is on a plane right now headed to L.A. Des Bryant, personal corner. We, I know it's early, my friend. We appreciate getting up. Thank you. Have an awesome day, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Des. Thank you. I like that. Keeping it close. Final possession. As long as that's just a field goal, not a touchdown. All right. As we head to break. During all this month, we are, of course, celebrating Black History Month, featuring some of our friends and CNBC colleagues and contributors. Here's Fast Money's Bonwin Eisen, what he believes needs to be done to better empower the black community financially. How can our country help empower the black community financially? That literally is the trillion dollar question. I think the same legislative and institutional powers that were put in place to create barriers of entry will now need to be used as tools to tear down those same barriers. There needs to be specific attention on things like access to capital, funding of black VCs, lending practices, and gerrymandering in terms of leading to real reform and impact. It is time now for today's most random but interesting thing, better known here as the RBI. And today's RBI comes to us from a guy you're going to hear from in about 90 seconds. And it may just be some sound advice that will save or maybe make you a bunch of money. It's about trying to time the stock market, or better yet, 
why you should never try to time the stock market, like, you know, selling all your stocks one day and then thinking you're going to buy them back the next. The reason is that by doing this, you may miss the days that really matter. Citigroup's Stephen Whiting put together this cool piece of info from his latest research. If you got out of stocks and went to cash and missed just the two best-performing days of the year for each of the last 10 years, you would have missed out on 9% of your gains per year. 9% a year, every year, for 10 years. That is a huge amount of money that you would have left on the table, all because you missed a couple of days a year. In fact, this Whiting guy notes that trying to time the market has worse odds than simply going to Vegas or AC and trying to play a game of blackjack. Lesson, don't try it. There are 250 or so trading days every year, and you need to be invested in each of them all the time. Random, but informative. All right, so let's welcome in the, the gentleman that we just lifted slash stole a piece of information from, Citigroup Stephen Whiting. Uh, Stephen, I hope you don't mind us lifting it for the RBI, and, and you know, we're lazy. We just, we just pick up other people's hard work. I mean, that's a hell of a stat. You know, it's the same for 50 years as well. Uh, th that stat is one decade, but it's about a nine percentage point difference. Again, missing on average the two best days of the year. And, you know, the problem is, is that the days with the biggest losses and the biggest gains are clustered close together. So you need to get it exactly right. And so good luck with that. And that's, well, that, you must have read your own research because that was my follow-up because you have this, you have two charts. You have the one that we showed, which is very TV-friendly, and then you have another one that looks like my EKG every time the alarm goes off in the morning at, at 3.15. And that's your point, is that the, the best days often follow or are just tucked up really neatly to the worst days. So if you get freaky because the market goes down 4% and you move to cash, History says you're probably going to miss the day that makes a lot of your money back. That's right. Exactly. And what can we learn from this? Don't time the market? Well, absolutely. Look, you've got to have risk buckets. Our risk bucket is smaller than it was a year ago. We're focusing our risk investments in areas where we have higher confidence. Just to give you an example, cybersecurity spending. We think it's going really nowhere but up. Uh, but in the end, these are going to be risky, volatile equities. We've also raised some of the lowest risk assets in portfolios since October and done them more recently. Intermediate U.S. Treasury bonds. Well, why would we do that? Um, it's partly the dampen the volatility in other parts of the portfolio. And so the environment is different now. Um, we are not getting help from monetary policy. We're getting anti-stimulus over the coming year. And so the environment is going to be different. Even as we deliver, we think, growth and earnings over the coming year, uh, there's going to be a, a very different type of environment for, for credit, where firms, yeah. if we think back a, a year ago, um, essentially, you know, junk bond firms and junk bond stocks led the rally or at least competed with the highest quality firms. You know, now beneath the surface, you have to, again, think about sustainable investing. And I'm not specifically referring to ESG, but really thinking about where returns are generated. They're generated by dividends. They're generated by long-term growth, not just bounce backs uh, from a depressed uh, economy. Is it going to be a, basically then a blue chip stock type year with, with I mean, bonds, investment grade bonds are off to their worst year, start to a year ever. 
I would look at it this way. You just got to be, be thinking about not necessarily just the very best possible return, but a wider range of possibilities and a more moderate return environment. And quality is probably the better way for you to play it. Stephen Whiting, not only the chief investment strategist at City Global Wealth Investments, but also a ghostwriter on our RBI from now on. Stephen, Anytime. <laughs> we, we you. appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. All have right. a great day. Fascinating stuff there about trying to time the market and don't do that. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We'll be back again tomorrow. Have an awesome day. Squawk and the gang are next. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.